So today, even as we are talking about reaching in the team, we are talking about decluttering and removing those things that clutter us. Very interestingly, when you all have WhatsApp, most of us have what? WhatsApp, right? Correct? WhatsApp is one of the most popular uh, 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 tool to message people. But do you realize that if you are in a group, when people flood the WhatsApp, what happened to the previous message? It gets lost, right? It gets lost. And when people declutter your phone, your WhatsApp, you, the important messages are lost. Correct? And sometimes we, the person will ask, didn't you get my message? How come you didn't reply to me? How come you didn't meet me? And then we begin to search our message and begin to say, oh no. Other messages have come to clog up and clutter our messages so that it gets lost in translation. So one of the things that God has again put in my heart to share with you in this short time that I have this morning uh, is in the area of reaching men. M-E-N. Men. If you have your Bibles, I'm sure you have no choice today you have to turn to your Bibles. And my, my, my main scripture is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 to verse 14. I'm reading from the ESV. Here are the words of Paul to the church in Corinth. This is one of his final words in this first letter to the Corinthians. And Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church. He says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. The word act like men, I know some of the translation means to be courageous, but this is the direct translation from the Greek. It means angry zomai. It means to render brave or manly or to behave oneself like a man. Men of courage. Paul, being a man himself, was speaking and warning the men and women in Corinth. Don't be easily deceived by false teachers. Don't be easily deceived by Idols. Don't be deceived by the culture and the environment in your area, but be watchful. Know and understand the times that you are living in, just as the men of Isaac knew the times that they were, they understood the times. And they knew what they had to do. To be vigilant is what we need to do as men today in these last days. To stand firm in the faith means to keep on in the faith, to be constant in the faith. To act like men means to be courageous. Is an example, is an energy used mainly for soldiers. And what is one of the most important characteristics of a soldier? You must be courageous 
in the midst of battle, while preparing to defend or to attack, we must be courageous. And this is one of the qualities of men that is so important. Be strong. Be strong is not just physical strength, but be strong in terms of your character, in terms of your attitude, in terms of your integrity. And then let all that you do be done in love. Wow. We start with be vigilant, be watchful, to stand firm or persevere in your faith and to be courageous like men and be strong. And then we end. Paul ends his exaltation with love. Strong men, godly men, can be lovable men. Can be loving men. Can be men who are lovers of good. Today, the title of our message is Godly Men. Yesterday, I think Brother Roger spoke in Saturday service about hot Jesus. So today, I'm speaking about godly men. Can I bring us back to the beginning of why God created men? How God created men? In the beginning, when God created men, He created us to be in the image of God. That means we have the moral character that God has. We have the ability to have dominion over God's creation and God's creatures. We have intelligence. We are able to learn the languages and communicate. And we have spirituality and an eternity like God. But then, at the same time, we are not God. So very, uh, uh, I have to be very careful and qualified that although we are made in the image of God, you and I will never be God. But we are called to be like God. Like a father and a son. A son will never be a father. But a son can have very important DNA and characteristics of the father. And so, for men right in the beginning, God has created men to be men. And then women to be women. May I ask all the women here not to shut off, not to tune off. He says today, Pastor Michael is preaching about men and it doesn't concern me. But every man concerns every woman. Every man concerns children. Every man concerns the society, the church. Because God has given a distinct difference between the men and the woman. I was just looking for my clicker, I realized I don't have to control the slides. <laughs> and please remember, I've got no slides to praise God for no slides. Hallelujah. So God, when God created men, and everything that God created was good, and on the last day, on the sixth day, God says it was very good when God created men. Only men did God breathe his breath his spirit, physical life, spiritual life into men. And from men, he created the woman. And so there is a clear distinction right in the beginning of creation, right in the beginning of time between a man and a woman. 
and society tries to blur that distinction. But God has not changed. God's order and God's intention has not changed. So as Bible-believing, Spirit-filled Christians, it is we should never reinterpret Scripture, but allow Scripture to interpret and to read the true meaning of what God says. If God says men should be men and women should be women, then we should accept that men must be men. But sadly, the first test that came to the first man, Adam, Adam failed the test. Why? Because when Adam, Eve was created from Eve and they were given dominion to work in the beautiful garden of Eden, it was sinless. And when the first test came for them, something happened in the garden that is so important for us to realize. So important for us to restore, to recover back biblical manhood again. We are looking for godly men again at such a time like this. When a servant came to deceive Eve, many times we all think that Adam was away. Adam went to the Mount or he went to the Mount or he was away. Maybe even his hobby. But if you were to read the word of God, when Eve gave in to the temptation, he also passed the fruit to Adam who was beside her. And when God gave dominion, God gave to the men to be the head and to be the leader of the family, of the society. And that was how the problem started right from the beginning when Adam, our first forefather, the first prototype, the first man, failed. Why did he fail? He kept silent. He was irresponsible. He was passive. He was indifferent. He knew what God said. Don't eat from the tree, from the, from the, from, from the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat all the other from the other trees, but not this tree. So Adam was right there. Right at the beginning. And although Eve also was punished, but Adam was the one blamed for bringing sin into all of humanity. Because, simply because, God has positioned him to be the head, to be the leader of the home. So for us, here in the church, God's word is unchanging. God's word, God's word endures forever. Rightfully, God is looking for men. Today, to act like men. Just like what Paul affirmed to the Corinthians today. Just like what I am exalting you and I, men here today. That God has not changed his plan. God has not changed the DNA for men. God has not changed the responsibility of men to act like men in such a time like this. And because Adam did not act like the man that God has called him to be, to be responsible, to be the head, to control his family, to control his house. 
to lead his wife. Instead, he allowed the wife to lead him. And that is also when the blame game started in the Garden of Eden. The first blame game in the marriage started when God asked Adam, Who gave you to eat the fruit? Why did you eat the fruit? And the first thing that Adam did was to point the finger at the wife. Just like each one of us here, we point the finger at our wives. And Eve also continued the blame game and he pointed the finger at the serpent. And so the blame game started right in the beginning of creation. And one of the punishments for Adam and the punishment for Eve is also why we have problems in the relationship between men and women today. Eve's punishment was said that in, when you give birth, you will suffer pain. And also, your desire will be for your husband. It's not a good desire. That means you still want to take over. You still want to challenge your husband. And so there's going to be an ongoing conflict for leadership in the home. And for Adam, Adam is going to labor in pain for the work that God has given to him. He's going to a lot of sweat. He's going to, God is going to make him go through a lot to just bring food back to the family because he gave in, because he abdicated from his role as the man. So what is the lesson that we learn right from the beginning? The first important lesson that we learn, like what we started off today, is men, silence is not golden. Men, you are not called to say, to tell your wife, take over. You're not called to tell your mother you take over. You're not called to tell the sister you take over. Men, God is looking at you when it comes to leadership and leadership, whether it's in the marketplace, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the family, God is looking at you. Do not be silent. Do you know that? To be silent is also to say something. It is also a statement for some people, when it comes to voting, they say that I don't want to vote. I want to protest. And so they either they spoil their votes or they just keep quiet and they don't vote at all. They say it's a silent protest. But this is not what God is asking for men. There's a difference between silence and quiet. There are quite a lot of husbands, quite a lot of men here, single men here. Who are quiet men. I want them. In personality, when myself, I like to be quiet. But when the time comes for you to speak up, to speak up, even though you have a quiet personality, quiet disposition, this is where God says, men stand up, men rise up, men Bend up and do what you are called to do. Men, if we are silent, we are actually saying something. I don't care. I don't get involved. I'm too lazy. I got something better to do. That is the that 
make this mistake, man. And sometimes you think I'm inside of it. It's okay, lah. I just let people make the decision. I just let my children make the decision. I let my wife make the decision. I let my sister, my brother, my mom, my dad make the decision. I don't have to make a decision. But this goes against the DNA that God has for us as men. We have to step up and say, Here I am. I am a man of God who is responsible for the people that God has given me, for the sphere of influence that God has given me in our church. I'm so glad to report we have many of such men, such men of God who rise up and says, I own up. I, to be a man does not mean you do not have fears. That is what courage means. That's what a man of courage means. Courage does not mean you are not afraid. Courage means you face your challenge, you face your fears like a man. Can you hear an amen from a man? Amen. So there's an amen also. So then, today, may I challenge you as I've been challenged in my own life too. That if you and I are silent as I was before I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, I tell you when I was silent, when I was irresponsible, when I was disrespectful, I caused so much hurt to women, to parents, to us. So our silence is not confined to ourselves. It's not just affect us. Your silence and my silence, men, whether you are married or unmarried, it affects everybody around us. In the last G14, men and women goes up and says, we will not be silent anymore. We will do something. And that's why we have a change of ground. But that's besides what's happening right now with the government. But it is because men and women decided to rise up and say it is our time. No longer to be silent. Don't give the silent treatment. Men are very lonely. I know a lot of wives complain. He's always so quiet, always so silent. But when there is a Liverpool and Manchester United game, you can hear the whole neighborhood can hear his voice. When he's excited about something, he can hear his voice. It shows that you and I, we are very selective in our manhood. And that is very dangerous because of the impact and the consequence it causes. I can speak to you as a man because I am a man. Because I have gone through what it means to be a man without God and to be a man with God. You can ask my wife, you can ask my mother, you can ask my family, what was I when I was a man without God? I hurt people, I disappointed people. I harm people. And so I know what it means to be a man who is irresponsible, 
a man who is disrespectful. What is the main role of a man? If you were just, just to look from Paul's word to husbands, if you were to look from Paul's word to men in leadership, there are so many qualities that we must look in a man that is distinct for a man that is not in a woman. Because God has given women different, I call it different responsibilities, a different position in the church, in the family, in the society, in the marketplace. That is unique. And each one of us have to do and walk in that position that God has given to us. The first thing that comes to mind from the word of God is that man is the head, the leader. And this is something that man cannot pass the, 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 the mentor to anyone else, whether it's to their children or to their parents. They cannot outsource or subcontract that role to anyone else. It belongs to you and I, brothers. It belongs to you and I. We are called to be head and leaders, but we are not perfect heads. We are not uh, complete heads. We are still work in progress. But we are further than we are last month, last year. We are providers. We are protectors. We are disciplinary. We are lovers. Paul specifically told the husbands, love your wives. We are protectors of women. We are protectors of children. There's a reason why generally men are stronger physically. Because we are called to be protectors of our family, of our loved ones. There's a difference between a Christian man and a God. A Christian man will go to church. A godly man will have the presence of God in his life before he comes to church. He will want to glorify God in his house, in his workplace, in the school, before even he comes to church. A Christian man can say to his wife or his, or his friends or his mother, I love you. But a godly man who says, I love God first before I love my sister, my wife, my mother, everybody else. That is a godly man. A godly man isn't threatened by women. I know some men are afraid of women. The Hokkien says, can I walk? Frightened of your wife. Once in a while we are. A, Christ, a godly man has that confidence and assurance that if he loves the Lord, if he is righteous, if he walks right before God, there's no reason to be threatened by your wife. Because your wife is there to compliment you. Your wife is there to be your partner. A Christian man can recite the scripture, can remember the Bible, can quote scripture. 
But a godly man has the word of God in his heart and he does the word of God. Not just hear the word of God, not just talk about the word of God, but lift up the word of God. That is a godly man. One of the things that we have to realize that God has for you and I, or even for moms and dads, even for families, that God wants us to raise up godly sons who will one day be godly men. I know for many parents, their focus will be successful sons, famous sons. But in the word of God, God says, I want parents to raise up godly sons and godly daughters. That is God's priority for us. And if we change that priority, I tell you, brothers and sisters, I've seen it in counseling cases that we are creating trouble for our children. We are creating problems for ourselves. Even though our children may leave the home, they will still come back for help. God's mandate is that we raise up godly men who will respect women. And this is what is so missing among men today. You must respect women, girls. Treat them as a gift from God. Treat them as people made in the image of God. Not for your own use, for your own pleasure. Not as objects. God also wants us to raise up godly men, not boys. There's a red book called Boys to Men. So this is what God wants us. That we just don't just raise up boys. I know some parents are having problems. Their children are old, but they are still boys. Because they don't men they don't take responsibility as men and take responsibility for their life. Raising men, godly men who loves Jesus more than anything else. And raising godly men who will lead wherever the God has positioned them. Let me tell you about a godly man that I met a few months ago. And he is an inspiration to me. He's related to my wife. We were on the way back. Uh, we were in Hang, so we visited him in Haiping. He just lost his wife. They were married for 64 years. He was devastated when his wife passed away. But do you know the testimony about this godly man? He was, he was serving in a church. He was not a full-time church worker. He was working but he was serving because he had a heart for God, a heart for souls, a heart for church planting. In Penang, where he was based, he was very active in the church. He was a man of the world. He looked after his wife well. He brought up his children until his children are all ministers of God. Raising up God, amen. 
And then upon his retirement, he felt the need to go back to Taipei, his hometown, to a small town. I know Uncle Josh is not a small town, it's a city, right? <laughs> Sorry, Uncle Josh, it's a hometown. But he chose to leave Penang and says, there is a need in Taipei. They need more leaders to grow the church, to disciple men. And he left the comforts of Penang and decided to move to Taipei because he says that if I don't go, who will go there to mentor, to disciple, to start the new work there? And so he removed himself and bought a, a house. He says, the moment I decided to obey God, he was not concerned about fame, he was, doesn't want his name to be known. He says, I don't want serving in a small church, in a small town. I just love God. I just want to give my best to God. And he, God bless him with a home that is so richly blessed. The home was kept for him. The, 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 the buyer wanted to sell, to, the seller wanted to sell to so many people. But in the end, he just said, can you sell to me? I came here to serve in the church. Wow. Immediately, the seller said, I want to sell to you. That is the faith of God. When we are gone. Second thing that happened was one early morning when he was sleeping with his wife, the wife woke him up and says, I don't know what you call him, darling or honey or baby or whatever you call He just woke him up and then she just got up because she was suffering from sickness for a long time. Just woke him up and says, Darling, I'm going to go this. Where are you going? Jesus is calling me. Then the first thing he's like is, what about me? He says, you will come later. Just a few minutes after that, she just closed her eyes and she went home to the Lord. That again is another blessing of being a godly man. When you honor God, when you love God, even when you lose someone who you have married for 64 years, God is gracious to let you know she's going. I'm taking her home. You're going to see her again. Wow! I was touched by how God can love and reward a godly man. And he began to tell his story, how he began his ministry in Taiping at the earliest in the 60s. And one of the names that shocked me was one of the prominent general superintendents, not our great master, in Malaysia, who was one of his students that he mentored. He says this boy was a rascal. I had to take the very cheese after him to bring him to church. But look where he is today. He is the pastor of one of the biggest churches in Malaysia. He's been a general superintendent for so long. He is one of my students. But he didn't say proudly or arrogantly. He said, I know that person because I told him I'm from the SMB. I know that person. I know him when he was young. <laughs> he was trying to run away. You know, when he wanted to pick him, those days they used to pick children up to go to school, like Sunday school. He was one of the product. A godly man planting into another godly man. Wow, he's so powerful. This is what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2 2. You know, what you have learned. Teach it to others, mentor to others. 
there's a sister in the, in the church whose husband reveals how loving and godly he is. Because the sister suffers from, uh, there is a sleep condition that sometimes when she sleeps, she stops breathing. Do you know what the husband does? The husband keeps awake at night to watch the wife. The wife stops breathing, he will just wake up. And then when I sleep, he sleeps in the daytime. Wow! Such a God. So powerful. I just can't. There are so many examples even in our church of such God. Let me just quickly, quickly begin to, to tell you, even as I go for, I visit the prison in Sunai Mulo. I've seen many people there. And one of the things that breaks my heart, because my insurance work is all only men, whereas in Kajang is men and women. So one of the things that breaks my heart it is men who are there wasting their lives. Unproductive, passive, silent, wasteful, just like the political side. Their families miss them, their wives miss them, their children miss them, their home miss them. It is such a waste. So talents and giftings in life does not mean that we act like men. Many times we act more like boys. We are immature. We don't wise up. We don't rise up to be men. Let me tell you about the R-rated men. The R, sorry, there's no picture here. R-rated men. In, uh, in America, there is the there is a, a movie, uh, they, they, they call it the censor bomb, that comes with an R-rated, yeah? and it's those 17, you have to be accompanied by guardians because of the sexual nature, the violent nature. But let me tell you, in the Bible, there are also R-rated godly men that God is looking for. And I just all these R's that are so important that I see in the life of men in the Old Testament, like Joseph in the, all the Old Testament, Joseph in the New Testament, there are two Josephs. One is Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus and the, and the husband of Mary. The other Joseph is Joseph of Arimathea, who was brave to go to say, let me claim the body of Jesus. And from this man, and from the life of Paul, and from the life of Jesus, let me just bring in some of the arm DNA that is so important for God and men today. Righteous men, just men, reverent men, people who respect others, respect women who are not arrogant, who are not violent, respectful men, receive men, people who fall, men who fall, make mistakes and own up and say, I will get up, I will be a better man. And that's what I've done in my life. I make mistakes, I fall. But I've gone down and says, I hope, I pray to be a better man, to be a godly man. Responsible man. Responsible man. Like Joseph, when he took Mary to be his wife. Even though the wife was pregnant. Responsible man, like Joseph of the Old Testament. 
who was responsible for his family to bring all his family, Jacob and his brothers, come to Egypt away from the famine, away from hunger, to protect the family. Reliable men, trustworthy men. This is a very important quality of a godly man. Realistic men, men who know their weakness, who know our shortcomings, who know we are not perfect, who know we also need women in our life. We need people in our life. Repentant men who are forced to say, Lord, I have messed up. I confess. I've sinned. I've done wrong. Men of good reputation. This is one of the qualities for the deacons. In the book of Acts, when they were looking for deacons, they are men of good reputation. That means people see your life not just in public, but they know your life in private is the same as your life in public. Good reputation. How do you know whether men are the same men that you see in public in church and the same men you see at home? Ask the wife. Ask the children. Are they the same type of men? Resolute men who are determined to follow God, determined to be constant, to be determined and the willpower to say, I will do it because God has given me the mandate to do it. One of the most iconic songs, I think it was in the 70s or 80s, was called Man in the Mirror. Do you know who was the famous singer of that? Michael Jackson, yes. He wrote a very reflective song, a very profound song. I do not know about his life as, as a whole, but he wrote this song about called Man in the Mirror. And these are the lyrics I'm not going to sing, or I'm not going to dance, but I'm just going to, 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 to just let you know the, the lyrics and the chorus. And he says, it starts with this, I'm going to make a change for once in my life. It's going to feel real good. I'm going to make a difference. going to make it right. Then the chorus goes like this. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer if you want to make the world a better place. Take a look at yourself and make that change. So then for us, we have to start to look at the mirror. I was just thinking on the day in our headphone, we also got a mirror. We carry a mirror everywhere. Maybe. We can look at the mirror of ourselves. And just like what Paul says in Corinthians, the word of God is also a mirror. And you look at a mirror, be very careful. Because if you look at a mirror and then you turn away and forget what you see, then God says that you are only a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. Two things about mirror here, two aspects about mirror before I close here, is that a mirror is reflective of who you are. What do people say about you? And this is where we need to face ourselves and say, this is who I am. And we look in the mirror of God's word 
The reason for the mirror is that we want to touch us. Correct? That's the only reason why we look in the mirror, correct? We want to touch us. We want to make nice. And that is what the Word of God does. When you look at the perfect law, the perfect Word of God in 2 Corinthians, God says that we are being transformed to reflect the image of God. We are transformed to be Christ-like in everything that we do. There's nothing stronger and more manly on the earth than a man who is in love with Christ and is fully surrendered to his will. Let me just read you one last scripture as I ask the worship team to come back. What is the goal of men? What is the end of men that God has? It is to be conformed to the image of the perfect man, Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 29. The reason why God predestined us was that because He had wants us to be conformed to be like Jesus Christ. And Jesus had all the qualities of a man that we are required to work towards. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control is the DNA of a godly man. And it starts with love. And this is where man needs to hear more. Men are never called, called to be violent, to be arrogant, to be drunkards, to be irresponsible, to be quiet. If you forget everything else, men today, there's a difference between a Christian man and a godly man. There's a difference between a male and a man. A male means you're an enemy, you look like a man, you talk like a man, you walk like a man, but you are not behaving like a man. A man was ordained and created by God to be responsible, to be the head, to be the leader, to be the protector of the family and the women, to be a lover of good, lover of God and lover of man. Today we have, there are so many movies about superheroes, correct? We have Iron Man, we have Superman, we have uh, Spider-Man, we have also Aquaman. My wife calls me Aquaman. Not for the reason you are thinking, because I like to wet everything I go. The kitchen I go, she always complain, oh, yeah, Aquaman is here. All my things are wet. The, the bathroom, everything wet. 
But you know, godly men are the real superheroes. They are the daily heroes that women needs, children needs, the society needs, the church needs. It is godly men who are better than the Avengers, better than Captain Marvel, better than all the men, including Aquaman. Look at the, we thank God for the godly example of many of these godly men in our example. They are our daily heroes. They set the pace, they set the example in the family. They protect, they lead, they stand up and they are not quiet. Today I also mentioned there's a difference between a silent man and a quiet man. Men are not called to be silent, but men are called to speak up, to speak out when God has given them their responsibility. But we can be quiet in terms of our gentleness, in terms of our meekness. We don't have to speak all the time. But when there's a need to speak, men, you and I, we must speak up. Can I say an amen? So God's men is not X-Men. God's Godly men is amen. We will say an amen to God's Godly men. Thank you for watching. Subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on anything new and stay connected with us on our social media.